0: It is Wednesday, April 5th here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Matt Shop. With me today are Jared Smola and C.H. Herms. And we're going to be running through the rookie class of running backs for this year. Herms and I came your way last week to talk some Zach Evans. We know that Herms is a fan of Evans. He's been kind of a a polarizing player in this class so far. You can read Herms' profile for free on DraftSharks.com right now. Hermsy also put out a solo pod earlier this week to talk about the top five running backs and our staff consensus rankings early on. That's available on YouTube right now. Those rankings are available for free on DraftSharks.com. You can see either the one quarterback version or the super flex version. We've been putting those rankings to work in some mock drafts, which are on the site as well. If you like the shows, if you like Herms and me talking Zach Evans, if you like Herms's review of the running backs, if you like the other stuff, that we put out so far, or if you just missed when we went quiet on the pod front over the past month or so, let us know subscribe to the YouTube channel. Give us a like on any of these shows or wherever you're watching or listening to our podcast, leave us a review wherever you like to get your podcast. We appreciate all your feedback, positive or negative. You can tell us if there's stuff that we need to do better. Uh, We especially like the positive though. And we could use your help. We would could use your help to build out our audience to help get the message to as many people as possible. So if you like us, let other people know you like us. We appreciate it. As I said, though, today we are going to get to the running backs. We're going to start with that consensus top five that I already mentioned. We're going to talk through some of these players. Some of them, of course, take more talk than others. Um, and then we're going to talk about some guys that aren't inside the top five because that's where it gets more interesting in general. There's lots of agreement inside the top five. We're going to start at the obvious spot because it's running backs this year. It's Bijan Robinson. And that's just where rookie drafts are going to start. Jared, really the only question at all, and it's not even a question for a lot of people is does Bijan Robinson go even before quarterbacks in super flex rookie drafts? I think he should. I think Bijan Robinson deserves all the
1: praise he's been getting. I think, you know, analytics people might shoot me for this, but I think he deserves to be a first round pick in the NFL draft. And it's because of the receiving potential and ability he has, um, you, know, you know, 60 catches over three college seasons, not a huge number, but he averaged 13.4 yards per catch. He had a 6.8 yard average depth of target last year, which is unheard of for a running back. These guys are in the negatives often. It's like big if they get beyond a one yard, at 6.8 yard average, they're using Bijan downfield. He can be like a Saquon Barkley, Alvin Kamara type receiving weapon in the NFL. On top of the elite rushing ability, he has the 215-pound frame, like prototypical size. He's an elite athlete, so you know, to me, he's the number one overall pick in Superflex as well, and someone who might sneak into the first round in redraft leagues by the time we get to uh, you know August.
0: Yeah, Debo Samuel heard that A dot. And he's like, wow, that is deep. And <laughs> Rondell Moore was like, man, I didn't even know the field was that long. That's pretty impressive. Jameer Gibbs, Herms, is number two, and he seems to be a pretty clear number two. So we've got our draft war room giving DMVP values to all these guys on a scale of zero to 100. Bijan Robinson is at 100. So that's the war room saying, yeah, take him first across formats. Jameer Gibbs is number two among running backs in that category. 74.8 is his DMVP value um, for non superflex drafts. That's second among running backs and it's well ahead of the number three guy. Is that where Jameer Gibbs belongs in this class?
2: I think, I think he should be that high. And I know that a lot of people who are kind of worried about the 200 pound weight threshold freaked out and lost their minds at the fact that Jameer Gibbs weighed in at, uh, 199. So, you know, <laughs> like, you know, throw up the sirens, sound the alarms, you know, it's but seriously, Jameer I mean, Gibbs is and it, it, yeah. to be fair,
0: it's a little irresponsible of him not to just have a big sandwich before the weigh-in, right? Yeah, I mean come on,
2: like all you had to do was one more pound buddy coming. You were right there. You were right there. there. <laughs> but the coolest thing about him is the fact that you know we we talked about Bijan Robinson being a, a really good pass catcher. And like I, I think he is. It's it's a big part of his profile, but Gibbs. Is the best of all of these guys in that area specifically. Mm -hmm. And when we look at running backs, you know, for the most part, at least running backs as pass catchers, we see like one of three things happen. You know, it's either just like a quick screen, a little dump off, or they run out into the flat and just, you know, it's kind of boring routes that we're talking about. But Gibbs on film, he was able to do a bunch of different stuff, a variety of different routes, running out of the backfield, doing those angle routes, doing those, you know, big curls, but then also lining up out. Wide as a receiver and running routes that way. So he brings a ton of versatility from that perspective. And even though he is a little bit of a smaller dude, I do feel as though he is skilled enough as an interior rusher to be able to get more carries than his weight would suggest he's able to handle. So if you play in half point PPR or full point PPR, Gibbs has the potential to be an absolute monster for your teams.
1: We joke about the weight thing, but I actually do think if he had come in at like 201, it'd be less of a concern. Now, I, I, it, it, I think it will be a limiting factor. Like Gibbs is not going to be, and he wasn't in college. He wasn't a workhorse ball carrier in college. I don't, don't think he's going to be in the NFL, but I agree with terms. Gibbs is the best pass catching back in this class. 24 and 35 catches in his two seasons at Georgia Tech. And then 44 catches at Alabama this past year. 11.8 yards per catch for his career. And if you look at PFF receiving grades among running backs with 20-plus targets, Gibbs was second among 60 as a true freshman at Georgia Tech. He was second out of 120 qualifying running backs in PFF receiving grade in 2021. And then he was sixth out of 119 this past season. So three years of just excellent PFF grades in terms of pass catching. So I have no doubts about his ability to come in right away and be an asset in the passing game then you know we'll see how big of a workload he's able to command on the ground.
0: And I brought up his profile on draftstrikes.com. You can see the mock draftable web for him. It shows you the weight and the height. He's small for an NFL running back but also very fast for an NFL running back. I uh, the thresholds matter. I think it, it, you know you see every year where some people are make sure to point them out. Some other people laugh at them by saying, yeah, if he was two pounds heavier, it would really make that big a difference. It's important to put them in context because the reason that we have cutoffs like this is it's based on historical data. And it sounds funny when you say that the difference is a couple of pounds, but you know, there are those historical cutoffs. Now we've already seen a couple of years ago, Devonte Smith was that kind of guys like wide receivers with this kind of BMI don't tend to succeed at the NFL level. What you have to take into account is guys who are already doing this at lighter than usual weights or, you know, whatever their category is where they don't fit the traditional, they're already outliers. Devante Smith was already an outlier for what he was doing in the sec at his size. Jameer Gibbs is already an outlier for what he did in the sec at his size. Now, if he were bigger, would it be easier to project him into the NFL? Yes. Um, But, and and no, I don't even want to get to the butt yet because we should factor this in and that's why there's a big gap between him and Bijan Robinson and a smaller gap between Gibbs and everybody else. But we also do have to factor in the outlier and we have to put him in context with the rest of the class where you're just measuring ceiling versus everybody else. And Jameer Gibbs looks like he beats these other guys on ceiling, especially at a time in the NFL where you can just go be a tremendous pass catcher, get some uh, rushing work and give big fantasy scores. I think maybe the bigger question, because like I said, a lot of people seem to have Gibbs as the clear number two bigger question, Jared might be whether he belongs in front of or behind the top wide receivers. If you look at our DMVP values right now, and that's, you know, before anybody has an NFL draft landing spot, Gibbs is behind at least our top three receivers in that area. I have Gibbs
1: third overall in one quarterback. And it's you know
0: behind Bijan obviously. I
1: have Jackson Smith and Jigba, and we'll talk about him next week on the wide receiver show ahead of Gibbs. But I have Gibbs ahead of the rest of the wide receivers because I have issues with all those guys. But you know Gibbs, I think he doesn't have the like top five fantasy upside. I don't think that Bijan Robinson obviously has, but I think Gibbs can have running back one level seasons, especially in PPR. You just talk about that weight again. Christian McCaffrey came in at only get two hundred two pounds. Austin Eckler two hundred pounds. Like those are obviously high, high end comps, but that's a type of player Jameer Gibbs is. So that is within his range of outcomes. Even if it's unlikely, he's a guy that could, you know, have 200 carry and 80 catch seasons in the NFL.
0: Yeah. And that's, that, that's a good comp. You don't want to say he can be Christian McCaffrey or Austin Eckler, but the ultimate ceiling is that kind of player. So we at least have some precedent. Number three in our rankings, Zach Charbonnet, and he is also a consensus pick for Draft Sharks folks, if we look at our rankings, uh, he, he was number three on everybody's board. So we like Zach Charbonnet Herms. What is it about him that makes him an easy number three in this class?
2: The big thing about Zach Charbonnet is that he doesn't possess a single elite trait in his profile, but he does a few things extremely well and very, very competently. So it, For a guy his size, he runs with a good functional amount of power and finesse, both as an interior runner and on the perimeter at his size, and decent pass catcher as well. He's not going to have nearly the same kind of route diversity as somebody like Gibbs, but he can catch a few passes here and there, and he's also pretty good at pass protection. And I think when people talk about Zach Charbonnet, they have it in their minds that Because he doesn't have an elite trait, it kind of just means he's like, you know, kind of meh everywhere else. It's like, no, I mean, like, he's not, you know, a super, you know, high end type dude in terms of his speed, in terms of his agility or whatever. But that doesn't mean that he's not very, very good at all sorts of these other things. I think that's kind of how people need to view him. He's extremely safe, and he checks all of the core boxes. And even though the ceiling may not be there to be a superstar, I think he has an outrageously safe floor with just how good he is across the board.
0: Right. You don't have to be a knockout in any one specific area. If you just do everything well and you were a workhorse in college and you produced and you tested fine, uh, that's enough. So you can read Herms's full breakdown of Zach Charbonnet on the site for free right now, his DMVP value 59.8. So that's 15 points behind Gibbs who was about 25 points behind Robinson. so that gives you a little bit of a gauge of the separation among those guys at the top. A little bit more separation between number three and number four on the list, Jared. And this is the first running back that was not a consensus for us. We all had the same one, two, and three when we did our individual rankings and put them together to be the consensus draft sharks rankings. Number four, Ty J Spears. Actually, the rest of us all like him at the same spot. Herms is the low man. We'll talk to him about that in a minute. But what do you like about Ty J Spears?
1: I don't even know if I like Tajay Spears at number
0: four anymore. <laughs> for me, beyond these top three,
1: that's when I start to throw my hands up, and I want to see how the NFL – I might just rank these guys how the NFL ranks them beyond Bijan, Gibbs, and Charbonnet, because to me, all these guys have serious warts on their profile. Spears, coming off the, the huge season last year, he had nearly 1,600 rushing yards and 19 touchdowns. The issues for me, you know, it obviously came against a lower-end competition at Tulane. He did really nothing his first two college seasons. Now he did have the torn ACL in 2020. It seemed like he was potentially going to break out as a sophomore before that ACL came back in 2021. Was okay. Then again, you know, had to break out 2022, but lower competition, four-year player. He's only 201 pounds. And then he ran a 4.54 40 at his pro day it gives him a 94.6 speed score well below the 100 threshold we'd like you know he's 74th percentile relative athletic score so not a bad athlete but not an elite athlete um I just I, I, again I'm curious to see how the NFL thinks of Spears if he's if he's a day two pick I'll kind of be back in on him as you know potentially the fourth running back in this class but I wouldn't be shocked if he ends up falling to day three because of the college history because of the ACL thing
0: because of the size um, so you know we'll, we'll see exactly where he lands Yeah, for me, Spears and even to a greater degree than the next guy on the list is the beginning of the I want to see how the NFL sorts these guys out range, because I like the things that you mentioned about Spears, even though he's a four year guy, he's not quite 22 yet. So he's not older as a prospect, did have the terrific final season at Tulane, did have the earlier injury that factored into perhaps or at least likely why he didn't um, break out a little bit earlier tested okay would have liked more speed for the style of back he is but did have plenty of receiving last year to go with the rushing so i like what's there if he's a late fourth rounder or a fifth round pick i'm gonna like him a lot less if he early to mid third round i'm gonna like him a lot more herms what's your take on spears
2: I think he's tremendously talented. I mean, I completely understand why people like him as much as they do, but I'm just nervous about his play style and his physical frame. I mean, we talk about this ACL injury also came with some meniscus damage. And in my profile, you know, I went through and found some, you know, background information in which he was talking about his recovery from this injury and like how much it it really drained him, you know, Both physically, obviously, but then also, you know, just emotionally as well, and how he nearly quit playing football because of how difficult that journey was. But, I never want to project, uh, project injury for players at the next level. I'm not a doctor. That's definitely not my area of expertise. But he has very, very skinny legs. Like, he's not a very built guy. And the way that he plays relies on him being super flexible and bendy against defenders. So if we're talking about a guy with super skinny legs that requires himself to be extremely, you know, physical and flexible to win, it's... I don't know. I think NFL coaches are going to look at that, look at the history and be like, I don't know if we could give this guy a ton of carries, man.
0: Yeah. It'll be very interesting to see where he goes. And like I said, I think even more so than the next guy on list because Devin A. Chain, I, I don't think that the, I don't think the concern with him is where he goes. It seems like there are lots of not only fantasy people who like him or, you know, draft people who like him, but, the buzz you get from those anonymous NFL sources at this point, it sounds like they like him. He does everything that he does. Well, the only question is what is the workload upside? Jared, I love the receiving on him. I love the speed on a chain. And I especially love that even before Isaiah Spiller was an NFL draft pick, a chain was taking work away from him. So that to me is a good sign for his chances of continuing to absorb work in the NFL.
1: Yeah, 4.3 to 40 time for A-Chain. So elite speed. He he ran track in, in college. So you know he he is legit fast, a game breaker. He has that working in his favor. 188 pounds. That, you know, talked about Gibbs. Gibbs' size is not a concern for me. I think it's a, a limiting factor as far as his workflow goes. Around. I'm not concerned about it. 188 pounds, that gets to the territory where I'm like concerned how A-Chain's gonna hold up in the NFL, how his team is gonna envision his usage. You look at running backs under 190 pounds, Darren Sproles and Philip Lindsay are the only guys that have like fantasy relevant seasons at that weight over the last 10 seasons. And Sproles was like, you know, one of the better pass catching backs we've seen in the NFL in a long time. I do think a chain is good. He was better though in 2021 in the pass catching department. He really wasn't that great last year. If you look at some of the analytics 77th out of 119 qualifiers last year in PFF receiving grade 98th among 119 in yards per run. He had a, 8.4% share of his team's receiving yards. That's like a middling mark. So I'm not convinced he's an awesome pass catcher. I think he can do it. I think he will do it at the next level, but I'm not sure he's going to be a lead at it. And I think he needs to be elite lead at that at pass catching at his size. If he's going to be like a, you know a big time fantasy contributor for us.
0: Now you did have him at five in your running back rankings. Would he still be there? Is there somebody that's close to knocking him off that you were, were kind of, you know, battling it out between the next like
1: eight guys behind him could knock <laughs> him off, like depending on how high they go and where they land. Um I just, you know, with a chain, it's tough. Like I think he's going to be a valuable piece for his NFL team, but we have to project for fantasy and what his role mm-hmm. is going to be at the next level. And if it's going to be enough to, you know, be someone that really helps us and can, can be in our starting lineups.
0: Mm-hmm. Herms, you have a chain number four among your running backs. What do you think the, likely NFL outlook is for him especially in terms of how it'll impact our fantasy lineups and then like what's the ultimate dream scenario what's that ultimate ceiling that he could get to
2: I think the likeliest thing is that maybe right away he ends up finding himself in a very hyper specific role in an NFL offense maybe like a Naheem Hines you know like the guy that he can do some special team stuff he can do some return team stuff and like he'll have a few touches just schemed up for him specifically in a game. I don't think that would be the worst thing to see for him right away, at least in year one. But I think the best case scenario is, you know, we had mentioned a couple players before being the only guys to succeed at this weight. I think definition really could be Darren Sproles, but like even a little bit taller and (laughs) When I watched chain, I was kind of surprised. I was like, okay, like, yeah, what, like 5'8", five, 5'9", five, like 188 pounds or whatever, but, like, he was pretty good running as an interior tackler. Like, we're not going to confuse him for B. Robinson anytime soon. Like, don't hear what I'm not saying, obviously, but he was, he was good enough at that and was able to, you know, mosey his way through defenders well enough that I was like, okay, all right maybe he could end up being just a little bit more than we think he is but me having him at four is really just i'm just being optimistic because i just love the speed it's like madden create a player type level speed so of course i'm gonna be excited about that
0: do you think it says maybe as much about the class two as it does about him that he's at four
2: yes and no i mean like no because again Video game speed, baby. But then, yeah, because there are a lot of question marks after this.
0: Yeah, and I think that that's fair. And that's what makes me say that he even more than Spears is not somebody that we need to wait so much to see the NFL draft capital on, because there is that one thing that he does really well that no matter where he goes in the draft, we can't take that from him. And there was college production to back it up. So he's not just a fast guy that didn't do anything to this point. So curious to see where he goes, his DMVP value 32.0 Ty J Spears, 36 and a half at the moment, those could definitely change Based on where they go and where everybody else goes around them, but you can see there's a gap between those two guys and number three Zach Charbonnet, a similar size gap to what there is between uh, Jameer Gibbs and Bijan Robinson. So there's there's some space. There's Bijan. There's Gibbs. There's Charbonnet. Then there's space. Then there's some yeah. other guys, and I think beyond that, like it's from six down, there's going to need to be a lot of sorting. We're going to talk about some other guys in that range, but we also want to know what you like here, what you don't like about what we put up. um, Maybe what, uh, who doesn't belong in our top five. So leave us a comment on this YouTube show. Um, Tell us who's missing from your top five, from who we did put there. Um, Tell us who you should knock out who doesn't belong in our top five that we did put up there. Um, Remember comment on the YouTube show. Let us know. We want to hear your feedback on that as for beyond the top five for us. Like I said, guys, I think from six down, I don't have strong takes on the players. I ranked the guys because that's what we do. Um, But there's nobody down here that I'm arm wrestling over. And uh, you know, I said it it includes Spears as well. Is that kind of your general view of this group, Jared? It sounds like it because you said, even with Spears and a chain, there's still going to be some duking it out with NFL draft capital and landing spot.
1: Yeah. I'm not super excited about anyone beyond Charbonnet because I, I don't think anyone else is likely to be a guy that contributes both on the ground and in the passing game. There's, there's guys who can do one or the other. Um, but I don't think there's any other guys like even with like our RB one upside, which nowadays you do need to you know be getting the workload on the ground and in the passing game to be an RB one. I'm just, I don't really see that in this class beyond Charbonnet.
0: Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, Israel Abanaconda is a guy that I know you've been talking about both on Twitter and behind the scenes as we got testing numbers and other stuff. Herms, I know you like him as well, but not apparently not as much as Jared does because Abanaconda is up to seventh on Jared's running back list. Jared, what do yeah. you like about the guy from Pittsburgh? Yeah, let's start with the measurables.
1: And I, I was excited about him even before his his pro day, but.
0: He ran a four
1: three nine unofficial forty at his pro day. Even if you want to adjust that up to you know five of a second, which is kind of standard, still a four 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 at two hundred sixteen pounds. So he is a guy that has the size to be someone who carries two hundred to two hundred fifty times at the NFL level. Has the elite speed for his size, and he's coming off a season where he had two hundred thirty nine carries, over fourteen hundred rushing yards, twenty rushing touchdowns, six yards per carry last year for Abanacanda at Pitt. Fifteenth among 169 qualifiers in PFF rushing grade. Um, Lance Zerline, who to me is one of the more respected film guys out there, has Abanaconda as his number four running back in the class. So um, he's a guy. Abanaconda's a guy. If he gets day two draft capital, he he likely will be my RB four in this class.
0: Interesting, Herms. What do you like about him besides the fact that you get to reference or mix a lot every single time that we talk about his name?
2: <laughs> I mean, I. Nothing's better than that, but a close second probably would be, uh, you know. So one of my favorite things about doing the NFL draft process is that throughout the course of time, you end up, you know, memorizing little fun facts and stats of numbers. Uh, a Banacanda, 38 runs of 10-plus yards last year in college. The dude is just a home run hitter. Like, you love to see those types of guys. And like you were saying before, you know, like, with how tall he is, with how much he weighs, and how fast he runs— Like that could be a really, really exciting thing. So just, dude, big plays, big plays, baby. That's what we're talking about.
0: Anaconda, interestingly, 11th among running backs in our Draft Sharks rookie prospect model score. Uh, looks like the athleticism score is what dings him the most. Um, a little bit down on analytical average versus some other guys. That, of course, doesn't necessarily mean that he's number 11 on our running back list. As you just heard, both of these guys like him higher than that. I'm not really sure what to make of him yet. Uh, you like the speed. I I worry a little bit that we might be double counting for him testing well in the 40 when we already knew that speed was an attribute. So it's a little bit more confirmation than something that I think should um, push him up rookie draft boards, but definitely an interesting player regardless when you combine the speed with the production with decent size for him, Going to be interesting to see where he goes. Another running back that is... A bigger name. He's not high up rookie boards right now, but Tank Bigsby is, you know, not a sleeper, I wouldn't say. Uh, Somebody that people are ranking generally inside the top 10. Sometimes he gets out of it. But he, Herms, for me, is a player that I'm very curious to see where the NFL likes him, because there are plenty of things to like. An immediate breakout for him on the field in the SEC. Solid production at Auburn, despite that team really flushing itself down the toilet while he was there. Herms lays out all the details of that in his profile, which is going to hit the site either today or early tomorrow morning. Enough speed, I think, for his size with Tank Bigsby and enough size for the NFL. So neither of those things is like, uh, you know, a signal of big things, but they're both enough, I think. Pretty good receiving production for Tank Bigsby in college. Just overall, I think he has enough. Not exciting, but enough that he's going to be interesting to watch. What do you think of Tank Bigsby?
2: I think he's a lot of fun, and I think he deserves a lot of credit for it. Like you said, just dealing with a terrible situation in college. I mean, he ended up playing under four different head coaches over three seasons. Uh, you never like to see that. And then in the profile, I also pulled up, you know, the football outsiders data on the adjusted offensive line yards for the Auburn Tigers. And it just got worse and worse and worse every year that he was there. And when you go through and watch him on film, it's really hard to find a lot of plays that are like, oh, wow, look at that highlight. That was incredible. Because Bigsby has to create a lot of the opportunity for himself. They don't, like those running lanes close very quickly but it really speaks to his vision and creativity as a runner. When you're playing behind that bad of an offensive line and you can still produce, that says a lot about your instincts. That says a lot about your physical skills. Like, not to compare these players necessarily at all, but if we remember back when Dalvin Cook was coming out of college at Florida State, another offensive line that was just absolutely terrible, but when you watched him, it was like, oh, man, he did a lot of that stuff for himself anyway. Wow, big two thumbs up on that part. So Bigsby, just for being able to pretty much just be his own guy, A-plus from Herms.
0: And I think that's where film comes in, is you can look at the numbers and be like, man, I would like him better in yards per carry. Uh, the college dominator was pretty good. But when you hook up the film, it's like, oh, this team is not very good. His blocking got worse as he went through the through his career, and he was still pretty good.
1: Yeah, and he did fare well in PFF rushing grade. He fared well in elusive rating. It was nineteenth in the country in elusive rating last year, one spot behind a Banacanda, I might add. Um my, my question with with so I, I think he can be a nice lead runner, like not an elite lead runner, but a nice lead runner for an NFL team that can handle you know 15, 16, 17 carries game. My question on Bigsby, as it is with a lot of these guys, is what he can offer in the passing game. He did have a big target share last year, 16% of Auburn's targets that was second best in this class but he wasn't very efficient on those targets his yards per route run was poor his PFF receiving grade was poor so I just wonder if it was more a result of like Auburn had no one else to throw to like I'm not not sure I'm comfortable projecting Bigsby to be a significant part of his
0: NFL team's passing game Yeah. And that's what target share is valuable because maybe it was that they didn't have anybody else to throw to, but it also says something. If you become that guy to throw to, because there is nobody else, according to player profiler, he's got a 94th percentile college target share. So, I mean, even if it's, even if it's as much a function of Auburn being bad as Bigsby being reliable, I'll take somebody reliable And, and looking at the player comp on player profiler as well. Damian Harris, I think that's, A good way to frame it is it's not somebody that excites you, but there's just he does all the things well enough that he could land in a productive position. Um, Talking about more of the sleeper types now to round things out, Jared, who do you have that would really fit in the running back sleeper category here?
1: Yeah, I'm intrigued by this Evan Hall out of Northwestern. We'll see how high, how high he goes in the NFL draft later this month. To me, he looks like one of the best pass-catching backs in this class. He had 88 catches over his final two college seasons. of Northwestern's receiving yards in 2021, 21.6% of the team's receiving yards this past season. That was easily most among the top 22 running back prospects in this class. He was 16th in PFF receiving grade last year, seventh among 199 running backs in yards per run. Hall was even split out wide or into the slot on 21% of his snaps. And Northwestern was using him as a wide receiver. Now maybe it's another case. It's Northwestern, so I'm sure they didn't have, some, you know, many stud wideouts to be throwing the ball to, but, you know, still they were getting Hall involved in the passing game. And then beyond that, he's not some like scat back either. He's 209 pounds. He ran a four, four, seven to give him a a 104.7 speed score. Well above average 93rd percentile relative athletic score. So he has some size and athleticism too. So again, we'll, we'll see how the NFL views him. If he can get, you know, fourth round, capital I think that'd be a big win for him and you know he's someone that would probably move into my top 10 running backs in the class if if he does get you know that type of draft capital
0: and I think especially at running back, you like when somebody lands somewhere where there could be immediate opportunity because we're looking for these guys to emerge early. And, you know, the longer it takes for running back to emerge, the less likely he is to help us out, especially at a position where second contracts are not coming, uh, at least in big numbers for most of these guys. So yeah, I'd be curious to see where he lands. Herms, have you gotten into Evan Hall at all so far?
2: I haven't gotten super deep on him yet, but he's a name that comes up a lot from, you know, a lot of people that I trust to be really smart with this stuff. So, I mean, hey, first of all, that says a lot. But he also did pretty well in uh, because if I remember correctly, he was one of those guys down at the Senior Bowl. I know a lot of people talked about him having a pretty good time there. So I'm here for it. I'm absolutely here for it.
0: And of course he is the try hard guy that took every single touch at the combine into the end zone, no matter where it started from. So he's at <laughs> yeah. least a hard worker. Um, I want to close out with a couple of shrimps. Cause we've talked about smaller backs to this point, and it's going to be one of the themes of this class. We've got Keaton Mitchell and we've got Deuce Vaughn. Deuce Vaughn's a, a bigger name, but yes. Keaton Mitchell, I think is a similar style. Now the instant comp for small, fast guys is Darren Sproles. And I think that's something we have to stop doing because Darren Sproles is the absolute ultimate ceiling uh, outcome for any player like this. It's natural to go to him because he was a small guy who got workhorse um, level workloads in college and then produced for a long time in the NFL. But it's just unlikely that anybody else is him. It's kind of like getting a smaller athletic defensive tackle and copying him to Aaron Donald. It's just not fair. So, Tariq Cohen, Jaquiz Rogers, and Donnell Pumphrey were three guys I came up with and thinking about Deuce Vaughn and Keaton Mitchell. And I think that's a worthwhile range to consider. Tariq Cohen was having a solid career before injuries kind of knocked him out. And he is an okay guy to turn into. He can give you some fantasy production, none of that high-end stuff, but we're talking about running backs that are probably going in the fourth round or so of rookie draft. So at that point, you're really just looking for any type of ceiling that you can try because most likely none of these guys are giving you much of anything. Tariq Cohen, solid. Jaquiz Rogers, mid, where he never really got a full season opportunity with the team. And I think that says something about his package that he brought to the NFL. He's not good enough to command that. But when he did get some, you know, scant opportunities, a few games here and there, a stretch of games, he was productive enough in the right spot. Donnell Pumphrey, is probably somebody that a lot of people forgot about, but he was a tiny running back went in the fourth round to the Eagles from San Diego state after he got monster workloads. I mean, topped 300 carries each of his final two years, he did absolutely nothing with the Eagles. So he is the cautionary tale. Like you can point at these guys and say, yeah, but look how much work he got in college. Look how he produced. He's going to do something in the NFL. Donald Pumphrey says, not necessarily. You can do a lot of stuff in college and then go to the NFL and do absolutely nothing. Herms, I know that you have talked about Keaton Mitchell at times. What do you think about either of these two guys? Is there anything there?
2: Maybe, you know, and to your point, like you were saying before, that's why, you know, I use the Darren Sproles comp sparingly. I save that bullet in the chamber for Devin <laughs> A-Chain specifically. But, yeah, once we get down to this range, you know, I think it, I'm the type of person where, you know, I'm just going to go to bet. For the little dudes, I stand a short king. I think it's going to be more fun if we see these guys succeed. But, you know, Vaughn, I think for being as small as he is, you know, five foot five, if I remember correctly, like he's a built little dude. So, I mean, like he's small, but he's very muscly, which is even more fun. But then Keaton Mitchell, I think, if nothing else, he could probably at least just, like, be a return guy or something. Like, if I remember correctly, that was a part of his profile. And then also his speed that he tested at the combine, I was like, oh, geez, okay, he's, like, legit fast, fast, not just, like, normal fast. So, like, that's probably going to be the thing that you look at, like, just hope that some of these guys maybe stick around, do some special teams. And if enough other injuries happen to people on offense, it'll be like, all right, well, we don't have anybody else. Hey, short guy, come over here. We're getting getting a few of these plays here.
0: Yeah, not guys to yeah, reach they're... floor but we're just looking for some upside later in rookie drafts. Jared, what do you think about the Mighty Mites?
1: Yeah, both guys are 179 pounds. So, like, Matt, I'll, I'll give you the treat Cohen count. That's a good one. Darren Sproles was 187 and that's a pretty significant that's eight pounds on these guys quiz rogers was 196 i mean he he was you know he was short but stocky um you know 179 that's tough now i'm not throwing in the towel on deuce vaughn because this dude he had 293 carries last year and held up and he has a really strong receiving profile look at 15.6 percent target share Last year, nice PFF receiving grade, nice yards per out run. He had a 4.5-yard average at the target, so he was getting used downfield too. So he, he has the receiving profile where he could be a true Cohen type, or maybe he does play the majority of third downs, catches 40, 50 balls in a season, and at least hits the fantasy radar for us. So, man, I wish Deuce Vaughn was just like 10 pounds heavier because he'd be a top 10 running back in this class if he was because his production in college was, was strong.
0: Hey, I guess if anybody is going to be the next Darren Sproles and might as well be a short guy from Kansas State who at least <laughs> has Darren Sproles number and has talked to him because there I did see that Darren Sproles said, you what you have to do is become a return man because that will make them put you on their roster and that's where you yeah. can get on the field and then you can have an opportunity to show them what else you can do. So we'll see. We'll see if Deuce Vaughn can be the next Darren Sproles. Although to be fair, probably not going to be another Darren Sproles. Now you can already find these guys in our dynasty rankings on DraftSharks.com. So check those out. Now you can see where all the, all of these running backs sit before they have NFL landing spots. Then you can see how we react to those NFL landing spots, the draft capital, the team that they land with because they're, pretty much all going to be moving, except maybe Bijan Robinson. It's going to be difficult for him to move from where he is right now. We're going to be back next week to talk wide receivers in this rookie class. We will hit quarterbacks and tight ends after that. Check the Draft Sharks YouTube channel throughout the week, though, because we're going to be putting out shorts and smaller podcasts along the way. We've got rookie talk. We've got best ball draft values. Jared is nearing completion of his 2023 projections, so he got lots of valuable notes coming out of that on Twitter and in YouTube shorts here and there. I'm actively drafting in best ball uh, teams on underdog drafters and FFPC as we speak. So I know, you know, we're pretty much all rookie talk here. We're rookie talk on the YouTube channel. We're rookie articles on draft sharks.com, but I know you're drafting best ball. I'm drafting best ball right now too. So I've got some reactions to that stuff. And again, we want to hear from you comment review. Let us know who is missing from the top five at running back who belongs up there, or just who's your sleeper. He can be number eight on your list. Who is your sleeper? Who's your Deuce Vaughn? Who's your Evan Hall? Who do you like from this running back class? Leave a comment on YouTube. Let us know what you think about this group. For Jared, for Herms, for the rest of the Draft Sharks crew, I'm Matt Schaaf saying thanks so much for swimming with us.